I know many of you probably have family plans today, so I'm not going to be preaching a real long sermon, but uh, going to center around Father's Day, as you might imagine. On Friday, I went out on my discipling time in the morning at, with uh, Raphael, and uh, we went to our normal place. We either uh, go to McDonald's or we go to uh, uh, High Life uh, Burgers and get uh, breakfast, one of the two. Anyway, um, we, were, we were walking around the neighborhood talking, and Chris calls me and says, uh, uh, well, I just... Uh, uh, yeah, did some work at the office uh, where she had to do for her nursing office and then she said, uh, and I got your Father's Day present. And uh, I, I said, well, I didn't know I was getting a Father's Day present. She said, yeah, I got it. Come on home. And so uh, I was in Ralph's car, so we drove home and uh, I was going to show him something in the house that uh, I had fixed. And uh, so he came in with me and uh, Chris is there and she said, well, yeah, your uh, gift is in the kitchen. So I walk in the kitchen, I turn around, and there's my son, Ben, uh, that she had flown in from Dallas. So anyway, Ben is here. He's back there with uh, Chris and all. Many of you know Ben. Uh, but anyway, I was totally shocked and uh, not prepared for that, but uh, very happy about that. So my uh, conniving wife pulled that off. <laughs> turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 21. We're going to make, uh, make a couple observations about, from Jesus here about his father, which I think would be very interesting for us. And then uh, perhaps a warning for the dads. You know, it's your, dad, your day to celebrate, but uh, a little bit of a warning for you from the scriptures. Uh, and then I want to end today with uh, giving you a little advice from uh, Mrs. Marty's advice uh, on Father's Day. I think it's important to start out by saying there are no perfect fathers except your Heavenly Father. All earthly fathers are going to fall short in one way or another. Some fall a little short. Some fall a lot short is the truth of the matter. But there are no perfect fathers. Your father wasn't perfect. My father wasn't perfect. Nobody's father is. Yeah, Jesus here, it's interesting, uh, sort of watching him a little bit in uh, his relationship with his father. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, it says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, the context is, he sent the twelve apostles out to minister to people, and they had done that. And they had come back, and they had been very successful. And so, he's very happy about this. It says, Jesus, full of joy... Through the Holy Spirit. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Interesting things here about Jesus making observations in sort of a prayer type situation to God his Father. First of all, Jesus was full of joy. For a lot of people, that right there is sort of a shocking statement. Because their mental image of Jesus that he walked around all the time and, uh, you know, sort of teaching very sternly and, uh, you know, sort of kicking around the Pharisees and teachers of the law and uh, being hard on the apostles and all that. But, you know, you see Jesus there, he's full of joy. He, he was a fired up kind of guy at different times uh, in his life. He says, I praise you, Father. 
Very complimentary to his heavenly father because of the plan and what had gone in there uh, and their relationship. And he goes on to say, you know, no one knows uh, the father but me. No one knows, uh, you know, the kind of relationship that we have. Very special, very close in, uh, in his description of that. Now, to balance that out, look over to Matthew 26. Because we see another situation here where Jesus is praying to his father. Matthew 26, verse 36. It says, Then Jesus... I'll wait till you get there. Matthew 26, 36 says, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So, you know, we see Jesus where he's very joyful at one time in his life. Here we see Jesus, and he's really feeling it. He says, I'm, I'm, I know what's going to happen here. I'm sorrowful. Feeling low. Keep watch with me. Come on, guys. Hang in there. Going a little farther, the indication is by himself, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Did you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time, and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Here we find Jesus talking to his father. He says, Father, if there is any other way, please, let's go the other direction. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. The apostles are no help. They're falling asleep. Have you ever been in a situation where you just cannot seem to stay awake? Maybe maybe watching a movie or something like that. Doing a little bobbing and weaving. You're like Sugar Ray Robinson up there, man. No one can hit your head, you know. It's moving too fast. They're falling asleep. They're no help. Place three times. If there's any other way, yet not my will, but your will be done. So we see Jesus' relationship with his Father here. One time he's full of joy. and Father, I praise you. I think this plan, this action, this thing is fantastic. Yet we see the balancing here where he says, God, you know, Father, I, I'm not sure. This plan is a little rough. I know what's going to happen. I'm not fired up about it at all. Yeah, now my will, but your will be done. You, know, you find an interesting example of Jesus here with his Father. Of course, Jesus' Father is perfect. Sometimes we think, you know, if my Father does what I want, he's a great dad. Jesus' relationship with his father was sometimes understanding that his father's will was right 
even when he didn't feel like doing it. And you see an example here of the father of toughness, that this needs to be done. Now, we're going to balance that a little bit here in my next point. Because fathers, if they have one major tendency, is that to be too hard. Look over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. Now, dads, this is the warning. Okay, we've got to pay attention here, dads. You have a tendency. Almost all of you do. There may be one dad or two here that maybe not that tendency, but most tendencies of fathers is to be a little hard. And so the Bible gives us some very good direction, not only just to your relationship with your children, but also relationship with your spouse. I'm going to look at that too. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not frustrate your children. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Annoy your children. Fathers, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers have a tendency to be maybe a bit over-opinionated, a bit annoying with their children. Maybe even more than they realize. I'm going to embarrass Ben here a little bit. One time, I, this is actually just a couple years ago, I, I was trying to remember. It's amazing how when you grow up and your kids are grown and gone, as mine are, sometimes you try to remember back and you're trying to get perspective. And, and I was t- talking about the idea of discipline, and uh, in particular, uh, spanking. And uh, Ben was home. It's during one of the times when he and Bailey were visiting. And, uh, and I said, you know, you know, my remembrance is that, you know, you didn't get all that many spankings. <laughs> I said, but I know my, my memory may be not exactly right. What do you remember? He said, I remember you're spanking me all the time. <laughs> so... Maybe somewhere in between there is, is true. I, I, I don't know, you know. But this passage is very, very clear of fathers. Father, this is not, you know, sometimes the Bible says do certain things. This is a do not. Do not exasperate, frustrate, perturb, annoy your children. Now you say, well, I, I'm the one. That's not like that. Perhaps. But maybe like me, your remembrance is not clear. And we should maybe poll your children. And they may give another opinion of how nice you are. So fathers have to be careful with their children. Now look over, since we're on this idea, look over to Colossians chapter uh, uh, 3. And this is actually not about uh, uh, the children, but about your wife. You say, now wait, I thought this was Father's Day. Come on, now, you need to lighten up on the fathers. Well, this is, you know, I told you I'm going to have a warning for the fathers, and this is the warning. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. It's another do not. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, that may be in what you say. It may be in your tone. 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 How you say it. You ever talk to someone and what they were saying wasn't necessarily, you know, that big of a deal, but the tone was just all wrong. How it was being said. Just, you know, now of course that road goes both ways. It's not a one-way street on this one. This could be a two-way street. You know, wives can have a tone problem too. If you know what I'm saying. But it's Father's Day, isn't it? Now here's the thing though. Look over, since we're in the neighborhood, look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because this idea, this idea of the dad being maybe a stronger uh, person is not altogether a bad idea. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to pick it up at the, at the, the uh, paragraph beginning there in, or in verse 6. He says, as apostles of Christ, you with me right there? As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. So he's talking about his discipleship relationship, his, his relationship as a leader to the church there. He says, we were like a mother with you. We were gentle with you like a mother. Okay? Now come on down in verse 10. He, he says, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Isn't it fascinating here that as, as Paul talks to, uh, to the church there, Thessalonica, about his relationship with them and how he helped them grow up and mature as Christians, he says, you know, we were like a mother with you. We were, we were gentle like a mother. Caring for her little children. And you get this, this uh, uh, mental image here of a mom being you know, really nice and you know, uh, kind and, and gentle with the, with the little child. But he goes on down and he's continuing to discuss this with him in his letter. He says, but you know, we were also like a dad. We encouraged you. We comforted you. We urged you. In his choice of words there, there is, there is difficulty definitively a, a stronger implication what he's saying that the father uh, role has there in their life. I think the best possible dynamic between mom and dad and the kids is that mom is more of the gentle, loving, caring. Now I realize moms are also going to be tough. Moms are also going to have moments where they have to uh, have that kind of uh, quality in their parenting. But for the most part, mom is the centering point of love and caring in the parental relationship. Dad also needs to be loving and caring, but there needs to be a sense of dad is dad. Dad also is, is loving and caring, but dad also can have a toughness about him. 
That also can have a bottom line kind of approach that is helpful and, and, and involved in the whole maturation process here, as Paul talks about it, in the sense of we raise you up as Christians, he's talking about parenting and applying it to Christians being raised up in their maturity, but he applies it in a good way. So dads, don't be harsh with the kids or with the wife, but don't overreact either. You know, dad doesn't need to be Mr. Milk Toast, you know, of, of, of the home. Well, what's dad, you know, what's dad think? Well, dad doesn't have a opinion on anything. He's just watching television. You know, hey, dad needs to engage and dad needs to be involved in that way. So we got Jesus and his example and his opinion. we got dads, be careful. And lastly here, I know you can't wait for Marty's advice. As it pertains to your father. Look over to Philippians chapter 4. As you're turning there, let me give you some uh, words here for fathers. What do fathers feel? Now, we think of mom. Moms feel a lot, right? Hey, dad feels too. I'm going to give you a lot of feel here from dad. What do dads feel? Well, I'll tell you what, the, what I felt. When Chris was pregnant, when she got pregnant with our oldest, uh, Ben, who I made reference to earlier, I thought, well, this is great. We're going to have a baby. Uh, and, you know, about seven or eight months later, you're like, holy cow, I cannot believe how her body has changed. Whoa! Wonder and amazement. And, and, and you just say, thank God I'm a man. Amen. I was, I was just as responsible for this as she was. But man, I got, off, I got off easy on that one. Baby's born. It at any time. Dad feels pressure. Wow. This kid is loud. <laughs> and this kid is prolific. And I'm talking, wow, I had no idea you could chew through that many diapers in a day. <laughs> oh. Pressure. Pressure when the wife hands you the child and says, take this child away from me. <laughs> yeah. You can identify. Confusion. What do I do? Did it come with an instruction manual? Confusion. Inadequate. Uh, I don't know about this. Proud. Feel proud as a dad. Look at your kid, look at things that they do. Or, and sometimes it's just not much when they're little. But, you know, they smile and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, they stand up. That's cool. They walk. They talk. They say something, you know. That's neat. Very proud of your kids at times. Sometimes you feel as a dad very lucky. You're like, wow. Can't believe that's my kid. 
Sometimes you feel regret. Never been a dad in the world, didn't go to bed at least one time thinking, you know, I'm going to give myself a D for the day. I mean, yeah. What a very good dad today. You know, hopefully, you know, you don't do that for a week or a month, but, you know, at least a day. Sometimes you're thrilled. Wow! That is incredible. Sometimes you're embarrassed as a dad. Cannot believe she did that. Hope nobody else noticed. You know? You're a mom, but you're getting what I'm saying. You know, you're like... You teach them, and they go out, and just, you know, you're like, did they pay attention to anything I said? And the answer's no. Sometimes you're impatient. You're like, man, I wish you'd grow up, kid. I- I'm so sick of you being immature and stupid. Uh, you know, come on. Get after it. Move. These are all feelings that dads have. And sometimes you're discontent. You're like, you know, this is, this is good. I, I see a lot of good things going on with the kids. You in Philippians 4? Verse 8. Finally, brothers. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is actually an unbelievable passage of Scripture that has application to many, many, many things in life. But I want to apply it today as it pertains to us on Father's Day with our fathers. If your father's alive today, you need to try to talk to him, whether in person or over the phone or however you uh, might do that. This passage gives us some timeless advice. Emphasize the positive. There's never been a perfect dad. Your dad may have been a train wreck. You may have really have to think hard to think about anything good as it pertains to your dad. There's some dads like that out there. There's not much there that's good. And maybe that was your dad. And if it was, then I feel bad for you. I think you need to realize that uh, you know your dad's not a, what he is because of what you did or who you are. You don't need to be blaming yourself for it. You don't need to live the rest of your life using that as an ultimate crutch for everything that goes wrong in your life either. Right. Yeah. You know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Yeah. And sometimes bad things happen to good people to develop character within us that there would be no other way yeah. to develop that character yeah. if we had not gone through the difficulty that we got, had gone through. Come on. Yet all the while, and even in the midst of, of bad situations, it is good for you to emphasize the positive. This passage is so timeless in, 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 in how we think and deal with each other. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think and speak of these things. Your dad may have been a knucklehead. He may have been involved in all kinds of sin that had a terrible impact on you or your family. Your dad may have been a great dad that did his dead level best to do what he could have done to be a good father for you. 
whether where you're at along the continuum there, I don't know. And that's your business to deal with. But my advice is, wherever you fall along that line, emphasize verbally the positive. Thank you for this. I appreciated that. And be able to fill in the blanks with whatever would be appropriate in your life. It will be good for your father to hear it. It will be better for you to have gone through the thought process and through the character process of deciding to be encouraging when you'd like to tell someone to kiss your foot. You understand what I'm saying? There's a time in your life where it's good for you to say, listen, this is how God wants me to be, no matter what I feel like being and saying. This is what God wants me to say, no matter what I feel like saying. This is what God wants me to communicate, regardless of what I'd like to communicate. You know, sometimes you say, well, in my mind, I'm thinking this. Well, you'd better learn. If you haven't, please do learn. What you think in your mind, oftentimes, should not come rolling out of your mouth. Your internal dialogue is your business. And often, I don't really want to hear it, and nor does anybody else. If you understand what I'm saying. This passage is, is advice from the Scriptures, from God. But it's also advice from me as I offer my advice here to you. Say positive things. Emphasize positive things. If you want positive things to happen, then perhaps you're the one that has to start the process. You say, well, I've never had a good relationship with my dad. Well, perhaps if you would say a couple nice things to him, then he might say a couple nice things to you and you might start a good process. You might get a lot of nice things going on now, down the road, but someone has to start it. You say, well, shouldn't it be him? He's the parent. Well, I suppose in, in, a, in, in a way, maybe there's logic to your thinking. But if you're a child of God, you know, I, I, I don't think you need to be thinking like that. If you're a child of God, you've got to say, I need to be doing what's right. Yeah. Not, bait, not wait for someone to do right, and then I'll do right because they did right to me. Yeah. As a child of God, you've got to say, I'm going to do what's right, whether they respond po- positively or whether they don't. Come on. And in that context, I, I want you to understand what I'm going to say here. The Scriptures command us to honor and respect our parents. Like Reese said earlier, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Honoring and respecting your father. You say, well, he's not worthy of honor. He's not worthy of respect. Let me give you an example that hopefully you can correlate to your father. And I don't want to get into any political implications of what I'm going to say here. Just listen to what I'm saying. If you had an opportunity to go and visit the President of the United States in the Oval Office... It would not make any difference, or it shouldn't make any difference, whether you personally agree with the current occupant of that office or not. Yeah. You, 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 as a child of, 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 of the United States, a citizen in the United States, and say, I will show honor, I will show respect because of the office, and because of what the office implies. Your father is your father. The office, if you will, of being a father, God commands us to honor and to respect. 
Your father in and of himself may not have done a lot of things that earned your honor and respect. But he is your father. And the scriptures do not say, honor and respect your father if he does a good job in your humble opinion. The scriptures say, honor your father and mother. Period. There is an office. And ultimately, the office is God himself. Because he's ultimately your father. Your human father is a poor reflection. Even if he's a great dad, he's a poor reflection of your heavenly father. Now, some of the qualities, if you had a great dad, of your physical father are the qualities of your heavenly father. I I had a dad that I honor and respect. He's now dead. But man, I tell you, I had a lot of respect for my dad when he was alive and even maybe now more that he's dead. Of who he was, what he said, what he stood for. Now, he wasn't perfect. And I could fill in the blanks pretty, pretty quickly. I know my dad's faults, his sins, his shortcomings. Yet those good qualities are the qualities that God the Father has as well. And so when you emphasize the positive things with your dad, even if he wasn't the dad that you maybe think he should have been, you're honoring and respecting the office that God has established of Father. And I hope that, 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 that president kind of thing clicks it in your mind. Because, you know, most of us as Americans, if we had that opportunity, we'd say, wow, you got to be kidding. I, I, do I want to go to the Oval Office? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do I really want to stand there and look around? Yeah. You know? Would I like to sneak upstairs and see what the private... You know, yeah, but that ain't going to happen. You know, you're on the tour. You know, but, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Emphasize positive things in your call, in your talk, in your time with your dad today. I hope these thoughts have been helpful for you on Father's Day. I see a lot of you are visiting today. We're proud you're here. Thank you. You may be fathers that are visiting us here today and fathers and members of the church here. Uh, Hang around for a few minutes before you head out and have your hamburgers and hot dogs and watch the U.S. Open and uh, hopefully Tiger Woods will make a comeback. You're dismissed. (laughs)